0: We've been teaching for numerous weeks called A New Way for a New Day, and uh, teaching from John chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16 about how to live once Jesus left, which means until he returns again, he laid out how every believer should live, how to get answers to prayer, how to live victorious. How to live amongst one another. How to be effective. How to be led by God. All these different things he shared in these areas. In these scriptures. So we're in John 15, 9. And that's where we're going to start. I'm going to read this little stretch of verses. It says in verse 9. As the Father has loved me. This is Jesus talking. I also have loved you. Abide. Or dwell in my love. If you keep my command or commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Some translations say that your joy may overflow. Verse 12, this is my commandment. In case you didn't know, because you know, some people think, well, is this the Ten Commandments? Which commandments do I got to keep if I want to abide in his love? I'm so glad he just made it simple. And he said, "Uh, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for a friend. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And he just told us what he was commanding us. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. So that's pretty cool right there in that 15th verse. He just let the cat out of the bag. We're going to know what God's doing. God intends for us to know what he's doing and what he wants to do. So if we choose, which we should, and if we walk in love, we'll choose that way. We'll follow after what he's doing until he comes. So notice this, halfway through the 15th verse it says, But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So isn't it interesting, he said, I have seen God's love. I lived in God's love toward you. But then he said, I've also heard from God. I know what God's saying, and I'm telling you, and I've told you, and he's going to continue as we read on. We'll see he's going to continue to deal with us. Aren't you glad that we can know what's up, where we're at, what's going on? He knew from his father or heard. He said, I made known to you. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Verse 17, these things I command you, that you love one another. Here's an observation through the New Testament and the early disciples, one thing for sure that the disciples were were people of love. The early disciples were people of love. What should the latter days disciples be? Well, you don't worry about that. We're too busy. No, we're never too busy to love. Somebody said, "Well, it's too hard." Well. He didn't say it would be easy or hard. He just said, do it. Didn't he? Notice this. I'm going to read verse 12 and 13, but from the New Living Translation. He said, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. Isn't it interesting, he said, I have imitated God's love in front of you. Didn't he say that? He said, just like the Father loved me, I have loved you. So when he said, this here, this is my commandment, that you love each other in the same way. So they were able to evaluate Jesus' life and recognize, and Jesus said, my life was a life of love. And he said, there is no greater love. So in other words, there must be love that's measurable. In other words, you can measure different things, right? And go, that's one inch, two inches, three inches. And then you get to the end of the ruler. There's no greater measurement than that. Well, he said right here, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for One's friends. So here's the question that we all have to ask. If we want to do what he said till he comes, we have to know what that looks like. Because how many people would uh, say, well, I'm going to lay down my life for my friend. I'll do this for my friends. I'll do this for my friends. And they may be doing it or they may not be, Doing this love thing. If he said it's the greatest, then somehow he was able to measure it. Or it had to be measurable in order to say it's the greatest. If we say, hey, that's the greatest athlete in that sport ever, what do we look at? Oh, he said it. No, we look at all their stats. There's got to be some measurable way that we go, that person right there is better than this person. If we're looking at track and field and we say, the greatest runner of all time and the fastest is this person, then what are we going to do? It's got to be measurable, right? In order to end the dispute, wouldn't you agree? I mean, otherwise, we'll be arguing, no, this is greater. this guy, my favorite football player. That's why there is argument to a degree in sports because it's not super science. You know, there's different variables. But if we just look at raw speed and we've got a timer, from the time we've had some kind of measuring device, we can say, that person is the greatest runner ever. And if they're blowing people away by a second or two in a race, we go, for sure the greatest. And then you're like, no, no. And then you just throw out, well, they ran it this fast. And your guy you're voting for ran it that fast. End of story. Period. Greater. Greater. Faster. So if he said there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends... What does it look like to lay down your life for your friends? It's a good question because how many times have we heard, you know, or seen a picture on a box, you know, like big playground thing? Like we have that playground set in the back. It's got a picture on the box. And, you know, when I was reading the instructions, they're like it'll take, this many hours to put it together. I don't mean like one or two. I was like, no way. Is, come on. So I'm like, let's get after this. We'll get this done in no time. It will be done in 30 minutes probably. I'm mechanical. And I'm like, instructions, this is pretty simple. I started going and went, oh, you, I was going down the right way, but I'm like, oop, oh, back up, back up. You can't put that together till you put this together. And so you better know that you're following the right thing or, you know, kids are like, so did you follow the instructions? Because I ain't letting my kids out in the back if you didn't. Right? That's all right. That platform is wobbly on purpose. No, we read the instructions, did things to get it right. But if we just go, okay, I'm going to love and choose what that love looks like, I may or may not hit it. You with me? So the question then comes down to, what is this love look like that Jesus showed? To them that they mirrored later. And really, when we look at this, you're going to go, yeah, that's pretty easy. Philippians, the second chapter. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. Philippians 2, 7 and verse 8. This is about Jesus and his life on the earth and what it looked like to give his life for his friends. And you'll find when we look at this, this is exactly what the disciples looked like in their life, which they mirrored from the Lord. It, notice this. Instead, He, verse 7, gave up his divine privileges or rights. In other words, Jesus had rights and privileges and power when he was in heaven. When he came to the earth, he gave them up. And it said, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being, because he was God in the flesh. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself, notice this phrase, in obedience to God, and died a criminal's death on the cross. So really, Jesus in giving his life for his friends was really giving his life to God and God's purposes. It's measurable. His love for them was based on his obedience to God in his relationship with God. Because you notice even after, the disciples live that same way. Because, you know, we think of wanting, if I love my friends, I want to do what's best for them. Is what's best for them what they think is best for them? Or what God thinks is best for them? And if I live for God, I'm going to be the salt of the earth. I'm going to be the light of the world. That's going to be based on my relationship with God. Notice how Jesus affected his friends. He did it by his walk with God. His life with God was his priority he did his walk with God for the sake of others too. You know, some people think, well, if I don't walk for God, that's just me. No, you walking for God is not just for you. Your walking with God is for others. If you become radioactive, guess what? That's for everybody around you. Right? You go work at a nuclear plant and have some big nuclear explosion and you're in there and, and then you get the clock out at 5 o'clock and you go home and you're all glowing. Guess what? Everybody you get around, that's for them. You go to the restaurant and that radioactive gets on them. I said, man there, they're glowing. Oh yeah, they were down at the plant when it went off and this is how they're going to be the rest of their life. In other words, it's going to affect everything. And when we walk with God... And it was really, his love was him yielding because love does not seek its own rights or its own ways. So he didn't seek to do things his own way. He sought to do things God's way. And do you know what kind of effect that had on the disciples? Have you ever been around somebody that lived a certain way and they had an effect? Positive or negative But really, Jesus was so dedicated to his relationship with the Father, even though he loved the guys that God had given to him, he'd say, you guys go here and go get in the boat and go over there, but I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go talk to God. You don't think that left an impression? There were times that Jesus said, you, three, you can come pray with me. There were different times he invited people to come pray with him, and they had experiences with God that altered them. See, Jesus' life was altered by his relationship with God. Not just that he knew God. Yeah, I know God, you know me, I'm the son of God, I'm God the son in the flesh. He was that, but he worked to maintain his relationship with God. And through that, it showed his love. What if you standing against temptation was more than just about you? You know, we know that the scriptures talk about no one lives unto himself, nobody dies unto himself. Whether you live or die, you are to live unto the Lord. And we know the statements that people use in the world. No man's an island unto himself. In other words, what if everybody yields to temptation and somebody else is trying to make a stand? what island do they run to to get around somebody who's making a stand? You know what I mean by that? In other words, where do they swim to security? What can they grab onto in a storm? Who's out there that they can grab onto? Or do they just get pushed with the world? Or do they see you and go, Hey, how many times have people, through their relationship with God, Stuck out some hard times and then somebody called him on the phone later on and said, I know I made fun of you. I know I, you know, talked about you. What do you got? What's going on? That happens. I hear stories like that. I've had that happen in my life. But the issue is Jesus did what he did based on his love for humanity. We should not just do what we do because it's us. We should do it because we love God and love people. Why do I give? Why do I serve? Why do I pray? Well, there is a benefit to me, but in one sense, I should pray not just for me, but so God can influence me so that when I become influenced, if I need strength and somebody says, Well, how did you make it? I've been tempted. Oh, it wasn't easy, but I'll tell you what, when you get influenced by God, and see, Jesus lived that way. He endured the cross, despising the shame, but what did he do to endure He went and spent time alone and said, I've got to pray. He was influenced by God. So, for us, it's super important for us to be able to measure what this love looked like. well, I don't want to tell anybody, I don't want to do this because it just cramps my style. That's being selfish. That's not love. Love doesn't look just to itself. It looks to others. And Jesus lived his whole life on this basis of I'm going to do God's plan, and when I do it, I'm going to end up dying as a criminal for man. What was that? He was expressing, he knew that was God's will for his life. He knew it from God. He lived it out, and that was his love toward humanity. It was God's love to humanity. God so loved the world that he gave, and he served. And his giving was not on the cross only. It was his whole life. We have to recognize if we're to walk in this love that will cause our prayers to be affected. Did you notice that in those scriptures? It would affect our personal joy. You ever start living for yourself and notice joy seems to diminish? Nobody ever noticed that, huh? It's not joyful. So it's important to recognize all his actions were based on selflessness. He preferred God's way which was the way that benefited the most. But this is true too. God is love. Isn't He? We know that. God is love. And if I work on my relationship with God and truly hanging out with God, I'm going to hang out with love. Because God is love and... True love is from God. Not the world's kind of love that they talk about. That, a lot of that's just selfish. What can I get out of this? You know, I love you, baby. I love you. you lo- I don't even care if you love me. I just love you. And it's all for selfish means to get something from that person. That's not love. That's not what Jesus said. You know, I'm just going to live this life, and I love you guys, for selfishness. No, I mean, he died for the sake of helping others. So if we want to know what this love looks like, it comes down to our relationship with God and serving in the kingdom. Are we a giver or are we only a taker? Are we living this life with God to be a giver? Just remember freely you have received, freely give. See, Jesus lived like that. He hung out with God so much he was influenced. He had enough to freely give all the time. And he just kept giving from God and giving from God. And he became a channel that became an influence to the world. And then he said, now, I want you guys to all do this. And then we look at their lives, and that's how they lived. They didn't get all entangled. Paul said it like this, anybody who's in a warfare does not entangle themselves in the affairs of this life so they might please him who recruited them. See, the Lord recruited us. So you have to be careful not to get so entangled with all the junk that's in the world. Some of it doesn't look bad. It just tangles you up. You know, I remember when I worked in construction and uh, they didn't always let people in the big commercial buildings. That's the type of stuff I did. But I was a working superintendent for our company. So I'd drive my truck inside the building I remember one time driving my truck because, you know, you just travel, you know, some of those big, huge warehouses. You know, there's some of them million square feet, bigger, 750,000 square feet, you know, long and thin. They're like a third of a mile long. Well, it's easier to drive your truck. Well, they're not going to let everybody in there driving. It's all, you know, traffic, people honking. But I remember this one day I was in this one building. It was called Asportia, not the building. Like, that's an Asportia building right there. And that was the name of the company. And they made, like, undergarments, like T-shirts and underwear and socks and stuff like that. And I remember driving up, and the guys that were doing certain stuff had this baling wire. And it was kind of a spool, and it sometimes people just throw stuff aside in those buildings and it gets cleaned up later or somebody grabs it and these wires were sticking up and I remember driving my truck out and as I was driving all of a sudden my truck just started slowing down and slowing down slowing down and then it just I'd come out of the loading ramp and was down in the parking lot and everybody's gone I'm like the last one and I'm like what is going on? I'm like revving, trying to put it in gear, take it. It was a stick, put it in neutral, and it revs fine, but my truck will not move. I'm like, this is not good. I want to get on the freeway. This is not what I want to do, and I'm like, great. So I thought, what is going on? You know, I, I'm just stuck, and I put it in gear, and saw. like and just motor box, but I put it in neutral, and so I'm like, it's got to be something behind the transmission. Well, I got out and thought, what in the world can this be? And I looked, and one of those big spools with the, the wire that was sticking up had got caught, and just started spinning around the rear end, around the drive shaft, and just clamped down on the emergency brakes, you know, lines that went to the back, and the whole thing just locked up, You know, when he says don't get entangled in the affairs of this life, he means you get entangled. You're going to stop moving for God. Oh, but this is fun. This is exciting to get involved in all these things. You know, just this stuff. No, that is the opposite of love. It makes us ineffective. But it's not a bad thing. But if he deals with you, you cannot and should not be entangled. You should untangle yourself. And you know what I had to do to get going again? Yeah, exactly. Whoop, whoop. You say, "What's that?" Squeezing with your hand. Go get a pair of pliers or pair of dikes or something that you can cut. And I sat under there, and I don't know how in that short a time it spun that many times, so many different directions, and it wasn't like a lowered truck. You know, I'm like driving a lowrider in there catching stuff. I mean, it's raised up, and it got entangled, clipping, clipping, clipping. And I'm pulling, and it's just not coming undone. And what I entangled in needed to be untangled. And so he said, don't get entangled with the affairs of this life. See, it is a lack of love for God to get entangled. Right? Didn't he say, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, because they're contrary to the love of God? And man, when my truck got all like that, I was so glad when it got undone. It was a nice feeling to just, it felt like, whoo, here we go, I'm on the road again. Can't wait to get back on the road again. And uh, I got on the road and drove away, and I remember thinking, I will always pay attention. How many people get entangled and then don't use that kind of wisdom to go, I'm not going to get entangled in something again? But what does it do? If I get entangled, it stops my motion, it affects my friends. It infects the effect that I'm supposed to have. You know how many people will pull you and want you to go their way, do their thing? They're the ones who are entangled. But I know this, they'll look to you. You can become effective. I want to read a couple of things, a couple of verses here about association, because in all reality, the greatest effect Jesus had with them was based on his association and his hanging out with God, his choice to build a personal relationship, to be influenced by God, and through his time with God, you know, he influenced people. How many times have we seen somebody, adult or a kid, you know, we've probably done it. You walk up to some people, you've been holding a cold drink in your hand, you know, something real cold, and then somebody just has a good-looking neck right there. You just stick your hand on it, and they're like, oh, nobody's ever done that before. I mean, I never have. I just see other people being mean like that. No. No. I'm sure I've done it my fair share of times, you know. Or a little kid, feel my hands, feel my hand. What happens when the, something got transferred to them that they were easily able to transfer? And you know, one thing about a human is the ability to have stuff transferred. You ever talk to somebody, you're discouraged, you can become encouraged. You talk to some people, you, get, you were encouraged, now you're discouraged stuff rubs off. First Corinthians, and now you can't be out of the world, but you can win in the world, right? First Corinthians 1533 says, don't be deceived. Evil company, in other words, the company you hang out with will corrupt good habits, but I like them, Hey, you may work like I did in construction where you're around people who taught the sailors how to cuss. But you can win. But I'm saying the choice is after work. People, when I work there, they say, hey, you want to go with us to go do this? No, thanks. Because I get paid to do this. I don't get paid to do that. I got to get myself, I got to be calculated with my life. To get my life under an influence. Because ultimately, you guys are all changing. And I'd win them one by one to the Lord. Serious. I thought, you guys are changing, not me. And I would win them one by one to the Lord. Talk to them. Lead them to the Lord. And it, you know what it made it nice? Then I had a bunch of people around me who were saved. Some people are trying to get out of their job. Jesus said, change the world you're in. Jesus didn't say, oh, Lord, I can't be here in Jerusalem, all these religious folks up in here, you know, trying to throw me off of a cliff, trying to stone me to death. I got to get out of here. Did he do that? No, through his relationship with God, he began to influence them, and he got crowds around him that were totally for him. You with me? So let's let's look at a couple more verses. Proverbs says this in the 22nd chapter in the 24th verse, do not make friends with an angry man and do not associate with a hot-tempered man or you may learn his ways or his practices and entangle yourself in a snare. In other words, you'll learn how to do it yourself. You want to learn how to undo it? Get around the God of love. He can get you undone. If you deal with anger, start hanging around with God. Because you'll find he's meek, he's lowly, he's strong, but he's patient and kind. And that association will start affecting you. You hang out with God, it'll drive you to serve. You start hanging out with God... He'll drive you to do different things because it's just his nature and his way and it'll start wearing off on you if you start spending time with him and you look to his word. It will rub off on you and you will start changing. Just like he said, hey, if you associate with this, this is what's going to happen. Proverbs 13 verse 20 in a different translation, it says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Boy, how many people that could help them. You want to get smarter? In other words, isn't it interesting what we hang around with or who we hang around with and what we entertain has an influence on us? I know this just for me. People, you know, will come around me and they'll find out I'm a pastor, and then one of their cussy friends will come, and they're like, hey, he's a pastor. Like, quit cousin. And they're able to adjust their life. But listen, that's not why we should just adjust our life. But there is that element where people change because of what they're around. And I'll tell you what, Jesus gave us the ultimate example of if you want to walk in love and do his will and serve in the kingdom, hang out with God. He'll influence you that way. People who stop serving and stop obeying and stop, they're moving away from God, not moving toward God. But you work on your relationship with God, and I guarantee you, love will start to try to crop up in your life because God is love. In other words, you won't be trying to do it your own way anymore. Let that sink in for a little bit there. I'm glad you're here today, too. But it's true. It's not always an overnight thing, but I'll tell you what. You start hanging out, and you'll start getting transformed. Jesus made it a priority, and look at what it looked like, the end result. All the people that were changed. But it said he gave his life for his friends, but did he ever... Give his life in the ways that we think for our friends. Yeah, you know, I'll just be there for you. Was he like that? There were times with his friends, they said, Well, we got to go bury this dead person in our family. He said, Let the dead bury the dead. Follow me. I thought he was just, you know, all about his friends. He was. And look at what his friends did for humanity. He just taught him: you put God first and then you hang out with God and there will be such an influence from God, you'll get influenced, then that influence will be transferred.